This morning, that's what I want us to focus on is several different passages, this idea of moving past your past, and that once you were, and so many of us, we struggle with who we think we are and our identity in Christ and our identity outside of Christ. So this morning and the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about what does it mean for us as followers of Jesus to move past our past and to let Christ have that so we can now live in our new identity and who he is. And that's the, the process and the progress for us as followers of Jesus is letting that go and holding on to the newness of life. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 or 17 and several other verses. If you don't have your Bibles, there's some there in front of you. There also all of the verses will be up on the screen. The first thing that I want you to see this morning as a follower of Christ is that you are a new creation. You are a new creation. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17, it says it this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. The idea of being in Christ is that we are literally joined with Him. This is the mystery of us becoming one flesh, one spirit with Him, and we're, we're inseparable. So whenever you first said yes to Jesus, you were literally melted down, and Jesus, the Spirit of God, was put inside of you when you were brought back to newness of life, that you were one with Him. And so that now the old Chris is gone, and there's a new Chris that now walks and does life. That's why Jesus gave us the symbol of baptism. This idea of the old walking dead Chris has walked into baptism and walked into the grave, died, and has now come to newness of life. I now have a new heart. I now have a new purpose. I now have a new name because of this new creation. The old is gone, and the new has begun. Galatians 6.15 says it doesn't make any difference now whether you've been circumcised or not. In other words, your past is your past. Let it go. That's the problem that, that we struggle with is that we, we have a past. Every single one in this room, if we past the age of five, we've done something that we truly, truly regret. And the enemy continues to put it in our heart and continues to put it in our mind and says, you are unworthy of the grace of God because of your past. And that's the lie. And so for us to, to grow into our new creation, grow into this new heart, grow into this new purpose and this new name is the lifelong process. Let your past be your past because what really counts is whether you've been changed into a new person. You, you're filling this out. You're every single day. You're understanding what does it mean for me to be a child of God? What does it mean for me to have a new heart? What does it mean for me to have new lenses? I'm starting to see people in a way that, that I, I begin to love, have a love for them and a care for them, not to, to use them for my own gain. And so your perspective begins to change. The glasses that God gives you, you see things just in a completely different way. As a new creation, you have a new purpose and a new heart. Change into a new and a different people. Ephesians 2.10 says it this way, For we are God's handiwork, or masterpiece, or literally a one-of-a-kind poem, that whenever God created you, He broke the mold. He made you and you alone. And that to me is an incredible thing, that we can look around, and there's, there's apparently there's only one snowflake, no snowflake repeats. None of us repeat. God has a specific plan and a specific purpose for you. And when he created you, he said, hey, listen, I'm not going to put you in the resale shop. I'm going to put you in the best of the best shops, and you are worth everything. You are valuable to me. Again, sometimes our past gets caught up in that. We begin to say, hey, listen, I'm not worth, I'm not one of a kind. I'm one of a kind junk. 
look, I've got some brokenness or some things that are chipped. Hey, I'm carrying a little extra around here. And, hey, you know, I've somewhere along the way I ran real fast and my hair left me. You know, we've all got different things that we think is a part of our past and doesn't make us worth something. And what God is saying to us is, listen, I've recreated you. And when I created you begin with, you're a one-of-a-kind masterpiece. And because I'm God and when I create, I don't create junk. Whenever, every time I create, I say it is good. And then that word good means complete and perfect. So when you look in the mirror this morning and you're like, man, I look good. I know some of you are like, wow, Chris is wearing a jacket. I know. He looks good. You look in the mirror and you're like, wow, God, you created a one-of-a-kind masterpiece. And there's something that you have for me that only I can do. And you have a purpose and a plan. It even says, recreated in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. When he created you, not only did he not make junk, but he had a specific plan and a specific purpose for you. You're not an accident. You're not a mistake. You are God's design and a purpose, and he has a plan exactly for you. Even some of your mistakes, God's not surprised by that, and it's a part of the plan for your life. You are a new creation. God has a plan and a purpose. You are his masterpiece. Not only are you a new creation, but as a part of that new creation, he's given you a new heart. Ezekiel eleven nineteen. Even the word throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, the word for heart is cardia, which we get cardiologists. And if you have a bad heart, you have stuff being built up in your veins and in your arteries, and that stuff becomes calcified, and literally you get a heart of stone. And so before even doctors and scientists knew this, God was telling his people from eternity on, he said, listen, you have a heart of stone, a cold heart that doesn't allow feeling. It doesn't allow you to have the emotions and the care and the purpose that you should have. So when I enter into you, when you say yes to Jesus in that moment, I'm going to take out that calcified heart that doesn't allow you to love like I love. I'm going to take it out and I'm going to give you a new heart. Ezekiel eleven nineteen says this, I will give them a new will, which is a new heart. This is the cause, the things that you have a purpose and a push for comes from your heart, from your will, and I will plant a new spirit within them. I will remove their cold, stony heart and replace it with a warm heart of flesh. In other words, again, your heart begins to beat and you begin to beat the same way as Jesus. One of the things that I love about having little kids I don't want any more little kids in our house. I'm ready in about 10 or 15 years to have grandkids. But one of the things about having little kids is little kids will get up in your, in your lap and you can talk to them. And over a little bit of time as you begin to talk to them and, and share with them, you realize over moments that your heartbeat and their heartbeat are kind of synced up. That's one of the beauties for us as followers of Jesus is the ability to call up into the Father's lap and to say, Father, my life stinks right now. Father, here's the stuff that I'm struggling with. Father, here's part of my past that I can't let go of. Here's the things that I continue to hold on to. And to crawl up into his lap and in those moments begin to share the the intimacies of. And then in those moments, our heart begins to sync up with his heartbeat. The cold, stony heart begins to be ripped away. The calluses are ripped away. And we begin to be reminded of a warm heart of flesh. New heart, a new creation, a new heart. And also you have a new purpose. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, Paul says, Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, 
In other words, because you have a new creation, because you are a new creation, and because you have a new heart, now you also have a new life purpose. And so now that as you look and you see the realities of heaven, that you see life long term, you see life from an eternal perspective. And so the big car, the big house, the, the whatever it is that you pursue outside of that no longer has the same meaning and same purpose and same value because the things that really matter are your relationships. The things that really matter are the people next to you. The things that really matter is you begin to see that people don't have the same relationship with Jesus that you do. And so you want to do life in such a way that, that it impacts their life. And so you could care less about the things that are material things because in the past you were worried about your image. Because in the past, you carried around these masks, and you would say, okay, yeah, I'm at school, so here's my school mask. Okay, now I'm at work, here's my work mask. Now I'm with my cool friends, so I've got my cool friends mask. I've got all these different masks, and so we're always working, because we're worried about here, we're always working to build up an image so that people see us, and they go, oh, wow, that guy's impressive, that girl's impressive, and you work hard to protect the image that you're building. But whenever you come into this new creation, when you come into this new heart, and you come into this new purpose in life, meaning you begin to see things from an eternal perspective. And so all that other stuff is great, but it doesn't matter as much as seeing people come to know Jesus. It doesn't matter as much as letting my children understand that, listen, I want you to love Jesus even more than I do. I want you to have experiences with the church. I want you to have experiences around the world seeing how God is impacting the world even more than I have. You have a new purpose, a new reality, a new vision, and it's not just about me. As a matter of fact, I'm number two. That's the beauty of being married. Guys, if you're married, you know that, hey, you are not number one anymore, right? It's a heart of service. Some of you guys, you need to say a little bit louder on the way home if you want to eat lunch. You've been raised to a new life with Christ, and you have your eyes set on a new reality where Christ sits at the honor of God's right hand. Listen, as we begin to grow and begin to change and begin to understand what it means for us to be a new creation, what it means for us to have this new heart, we begin to see things a little bit differently. I remember that day that I got glasses, and I thought I could see. Everything was, was kind of cool. I could see, but one day the teacher said, hey, you, you might need to go get your eyes checked because I was moving closer and closer to the board and, and all that. And one day I went to the eye doctor, and the eye doctor said, hey, Chris, I'll give you official diagnosis. You're blind. Awesome. So he gave me glasses, and he put, I put those glasses on the first, first time, and I walked out of the building, and I recognized and realized that my vision had slowly, I'd begin to lose it, and now all of a sudden with new perspective and a new reality, now I could see the beauty and the grandeur of God's creation because I realized that, hey, trees have more than one big leaf. They've got multiple leaves because of the details. The details of life change when you say yes to Jesus. When you say yes to Jesus, the things that used to matter don't matter as much. What people think of you doesn't matter as much. Your past is like, listen, that's the past. I'm going to learn from it. There may be an opportunity where I used to be ashamed of it. Now maybe there's opportunities where I can be a part of that past and I can help others not walk through the same stuff. That's the biblical term for what I've had to walk through. Listen, some of you have some stuff that you're holding on to and you're ashamed of. And listen, I, I understand that and I get that. But there are some people also that you're doing community with and you're doing some life with or that you need to be doing community with that you need to be sharing that stuff and say, hey, listen, let me pull you aside and let me, let me help you not walk through some of the same junk that I've had to walk, to, walk through. 
Because I don't want you as a sister, I don't want you as a brother to have to deal with the shame, the pain, the regret, all the different stuff that comes with the consequences that come with the decisions that I've made. And because I love you, because I have a new perspective on life, and it's not about me putting on masks at church, it's about removing those masks so that I can do community with you, we can see some change. And your brothers and sisters in Christ don't have to walk through the same junk that you've walked through. That's what community is about. Iron sharpening iron. Realizing that new realities are ahead of us. Not only do you have a new purpose. In Galatians 5.16 it says this, So I say, walk, literally walk and step by the Spirit, and you will not, not gratify the desires of the flesh. In other words, as you begin to grow in this, that this every morning you wake up, and this is a struggle for us as followers of Jesus, is every morning you get up, it's a struggle between what I want and what I want to do for God. And this, the deal is, is that as we begin to, begin to grow, we can now have the habit of saying yes to Jesus. So as we're walking in this moment, we're walking, we're saying, hey, this is where God wants me to go. This is who he wants me to talk to. This is the direction he wants me to go today. I'm moving in that direction. And all of a sudden, that thing that once used to give us something, we kind of look back and we go, oh, it, it looks appealing for that moment. But because we're in the habit of saying yes to this, we can look back and go, it's a part of my past. And I don't need it anymore. This is what I need to be doing. This is what brings me more satisfaction. Yes, once you're part of my past, and because you're part of a past, I know now because of Jesus, because I'm a new creation, because of my new heart, because of my new life purpose, I can leave it there and begin to walk in this direction. Before you knew Jesus, you could only go back to this way, because that's what you knew. Finally, you have a new name. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Listen, everyone that has said yes to Jesus has been adopted into the family of God. And that whenever you've been adopted into the family of God, that you've been given a new name. And when you've been given a new name, now you're an heir to God. And when you're an heir to God, you now have his, inter- his, his inheritance. Everything that is God's is available to you. That's why he says, ask and you shall receive. If you begin to understand what it means for us to be children of God and that what is available to us, what we have access to, that God the Father desires to bestow his blessings and his riches upon us. Now, that may be financial. It may not be financial. It may be opportunities to do life with someone in such a way that you get to share your past. It may be that you get to do some different things that maybe you never thought you were going to get to do. Some of, we have 25 people going to Puerto Rico this summer on a mission trip. 25 people are going to get to have an experience with Jesus in such a way that they're going to have some encounters. I already know because I've done this hundreds of times around the world that there are going to be people on this team that are going to have encounters with people that will radically change their life. And it probably will look like the face of a five-year-old kid that hasn't eaten in a week. You have a new name. You have a new purpose. And with that new name, you begin to realize that God has so much for you. And that in an American culture that it's easy for us to to get and and to forget the blessings of what it means to be a child of God. But what it cost him. Back in the day, for a Roman person to be adopted, that would be a situation where there was a family. That family would have five or six kids, and they were poor, and they would be peasants. And there would be someone that was high up 
in the Roman government, potentially someone that had money, and they would go and they say, hey, listen, you've been blessed. You have five sons. I have none. I have all this that I want to pass on. I have all this that I want to give to someone, but I have no one to pass it on to. Will you allow me to adopt one of your children? And the, the father would say, yes, I would love to, to be able to do that. I would love for my son. But it also means that one father is giving up his son for another so that this guy can have a son. And so they go to adoption court and they stand before the judge. And the judge says, will you, father, will you give up your son to this man to allow him to adopt him? And he says, yes, I will give him up. And can you imagine as a son what that feels like in some ways, the, the tearing of the heart of, hey, my dad, does my dad really care about me? Does he really want for me? And this other guy's over here saying, listen, I have everything in the world that you could possibly want. I have all this land, all this, and you get my name. And with my name comes great power and great authority and all that. And so here's this over here. And this guy judge again is saying, hey, will you give up your son? Yes, I will give him up. Three times they go through that, and at that moment, the judge seals it. He says, you were adopted. You now have a new name. You now have a new purpose. You now have all the riches. You have all the glory. You have all everything that comes with being a son of this man. And all of a sudden, the new father puts a new robe on him and puts new clothes on him. And probably for the first time, that son now wears sandals because if you were someone of, of purpose and of meaning, then you would have sandals so that you could walk through the street and the stuff of the street wouldn't get on your feet. And so can you imagine what it would meet, be like to be that son that you look at your brothers over here who, why were they not chosen? Why were they not a part of the ones that got to be adopted? And this one son gets to live his entirety of life saying, I get new clothes, I get new purpose, I've got all of God's rich, all I've got to do is to ask. And would you not want to invite everyone else into that relationship so they could experience what you get to experience. You have a new family name. You're a new creation, a new heart, a new life, a new purpose, and a new last name. For us as followers of Jesus, the process of moving past our past and understanding that, listen, we once were the father of another, but now we're the father of the one who's given of great cost so that we could be adopted into his family and have the riches of him before us. We could do life with new realities and new purpose. Let's pray together. Father God, we do thank you for Jesus, for new life, a new heart, new name. And that, Father, the only thing that's holding on to our past is us. Father, I pray for those in this room that are holding on and struggling with that, that you would allow them to find freedom this morning by saying yes to you. Father, I pray that as we move through this week that we would realize that we're a child of God and you've given us a new purpose. And we don't have to wear a mask anymore. We can be us because it does not matter what anyone else thinks of us but you. And you made us and you think of us as a one-of-a-kind, unique masterpiece. And you've planned before the beginning of time exactly what you have for us to do. You're not surprised by any of the good things that we've done. 
or any of the mistakes. All of those are for your purpose and your plan. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.